In terms of actual insurrections, this is complicated because this is a bit of a dream come true for people like myself. A day like this, not not the people who did it, <laughs> and not the not the intentions or the mindset or the Nazi shirts or any of that, but it is a dream come true for a lot of pranksters and activists to storm the Capitol. Uh, going back over a century, it's been a dream to storm the Capitol building. But what you will find with activists is that activists are actually very intelligent. Typically, you become a very informed person and you get frustrated by the truth of the world that you learn about. And you're not uh, some silly pot-bellied uh, moonshiner. <laughs> and I, I don't mind moonshine, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be. I'm sure moonshiners are very intelligent people. I'm just trying to give some category to whatever came in whatever uh, lunkheads came in with the uh, the Trump flags, but... And by the way, did you not see a single COVID mask on any of those guys storming the Capitol building? That was what's so offensive. There was no social distancing going on. I mean, come on, that, that, that was a cluster event. <laughs> and then to do... But to do it without any masks on, what the fuck do they think they're doing? How fucked is their lives? There's a guy who went in with his work ID in the Getty image photos, you see his security photo ID for his job. And he lost his job, of course. But these people are not really working a full, uh, you know, they're, they're nine planets short of a solar system. These are not the, the smartest people. And that's what makes the act of their insurrection so satisfying if you are an actual activist or prankster, because you finally got to see it happen and you didn't need to be the group that will die because of it happening. Because hilariously, every activist knows that storming the Capitol building, as fantastic an idea as it would be, would literally bomb your movement. It would bomb your moment, it would bomb your life. So tonight we're gonna actually talk with Jerry Rubin and uh, Abby Hoffman through a seance. We're gonna have a conversation with them. This will be the first time that I've had them on the show. But I've had a couple seances with them, and they have some very good opinions. I'm uh, looking over at Abby in the uh, in the green room right now. Uh, Jerry's a little late, but uh, we're going to do a seance and talk to them because they, of course, are the uh, heavy proponents of ideas like this of storming the Capitol building. They would they would actually fire up a group and do it, you know, into doing it. But even they knew, I think. They knew that you could surround the Pentagon, but you couldn't storm it. <laughs> so they had to figure out something artful. And Trump, uh, Trump's group could have done something artful. They could have, but they didn't. They did the dumb thing. You know, he who loses it, loses it. So again, I say optimistically, this was a wonderful day for things that you love about America, not America getting worse today. Because every activist knows that doing this will literally bomb your movement and despite the fact that it's also a fantasy that a lot of people have so getting to see somebody storm the capitol was not unsatisfying sorry a few people died but what the fuck are you thinking is going to happen I mean, it's like, it's like mourning somebody for getting hit by a golf ball for walking into a driving range. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? You're not a martyr for that. You're just somebody who fucking walked into a driving range and got hit by a golf ball. I'm surprised only one person got hit by a golf ball. Or I guess four people got hit by a golf ball. 
A lot of fun ideas are going through my head this week from this. I don't know about you. I don't know if you can. This is I, I've I've kept myself from talking about this with anybody until I decided to just record the show. So I've had about three or four days of just letting it kind of perk in my head. So I hope you actually hear what feels to me like an excitement. I haven't been depressed about this. It was it was very funny to sort of see a. Uh, things in life. I've been considering this the Terry Southern presidency this whole time. This whole time I've been feeling that this has been scripted by Terry Southern. Uh, But then there's, you know, we've been getting other writers sort of working on whatever this last script has been. So this was a lot. This is a lot of fun for me. I won't lie. You know, I mean, it would have been different if you know, some representatives got hurt or something. I mean, we're dealing with some property damage, some paper on the ground. Certainly a bad look where uh, despots and dictators are saying that America is no different than what they're doing. I mean, the fallout from that. But again, that's really good because America isn't going to let this happen. We finally have, I think, probably the people that really need to pay attention to this probably engaged on this as a real problem now. So we just got to survive the final 12 or 10 or 9 or 7 days of dipshits rain on the world. But he finally got his Twitter account canceled. This is Twitter's fault. Twitter and Facebook, you caused this riot. I, I know that Twitter was like, well, you know, we can't give up his account. Because just think about how much advertising this is for Twitter. It's on the news every day. Because somebody also got it. Who gives a shit? How much money do you need? You know, y'all should have just dropped him. He's been off Facebook and Twitter for two days now, and I have felt so, 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 so much less abused than I felt for four years. I just realized this morning that I'm not going to hear an announcement from Leader Dipshit. How great. How amazing. How Orwellian Twitter allowed this to become with daily unfiltered, hourly unfiltered messages from him as directives. If there wasn't Twitter, he'd still have to go through the fucking press. He'd still have to, like, broadcast some other way. But because of Twitter, which did not cancel him, we fucking had him as our George Orwell 1984 dictator fucking robot president. If Twitter had fucking cut him all the way back, this wouldn't have been as bad. Fuck Twitter. It's Twitter's fault. It's Mitch McConnell's fault. It's Twitter's fault. This is Twitter's fault. This is Twitter's fault and Mitch McConnell's fault. Take your fucking blame and don't give us an excuse. Don't don't like put like uh, don't put a highlighter pen around the, uh, the suspicious tweet. You know. Although I do kind of enjoy Twitter's uh, reaction to Trump that he's got to delete three uh, three tweets and then he's off for 12 days. And I think I checked in the next day at the end of the day and he deleted one of the three that he had to delete. What a baby. So he so he won't be able to get his account back. And you know that he wants that account. But he won't be able to get that account until he deletes all three. So he deletes one. What a brat. I'm just thinking if... Pardon for this graphic statement. But I think Donald Trump has been having like a Bukkake moment for years. Just like... And this is, again, a gross idea. But Donald Trump has just been ejaculating for months, years. Constant ejaculation. Tweet bang and then you get like 7,000 mentions in a second probably you know he's probably so pent up right now 
not being able to get that out. That satisfies me. I feel bad for Donald Trump, but you know, you lose it, you lose it. Oh my gosh, it's so satisfying. Such a weird event. We finally got to see a bunch of people storm the Capitol and it's not even the activists that have been talking about it for 40 or 50 years. So they get to retain their dignity and their place in culture. I love that people tried to say it was Antifa. No, 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 it's got nothing. Nobody progressive, nobody intelligent stormed the Capitol. That was intelligent. If you're a stupid Republican, and I'm sorry, at this point, if you're a Republican, you are either greedy or stupid. Both of you lost from this beautiful moment of your nephews storming the damn Capitol. You know? Oh, golly. So what we saw on the TV, a bit of a cheap thrill for what you saw on TV. I think a lot of people privately think that. And we saw a dream fulfilled for a lot of politically minded free thinkers who have been disgusted with what goes on in the Capitol building. And so I'd like to talk today about the gift of that day, or I'd like to talk this week about the gift of that day. Insurrection Day, January 6th, 2021, was, stated bluntly, the single best day for Democrats and democracy in America since I've been keeping count. The entire day horrified most people into an instant and alarmed awareness of the hateful creation that Republicans have made, so the hateful creation of U.S. Republicans. That was what stormed the Capitol and it horrified nearly every supporter of Trump in, in the Capitol into an immediate backpedal that finally took seriously the idea of the 25th Amendment. We're talking about a second impeachment. You got all these ass kissers that have been following every stupid thing he's done into suddenly uh, growing a pair and, and uh, uh, making statements like Bill Barr or whatever. I can't even, I'm so frustrated with these people. But it clearly showed everyone what the Republican leadership is, because these rioters were the Republican activists. And they're such poser activists, they didn't even know the one line you cannot pass. You might have a fantasy of storming the Capitol, but any good activist with leadership knows, dream it, but never do it. Do not try to do the coup. You might hear about coups, C-O-U-P's. You might hear about them, but coups only work in Cuba. Just have the coup in your mind, you know? You can try and parse the words and call them Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol, but no, no, uh-uh. This was, a, this was a Republican Party attack on the Capitol. Did they go into, you know, uh, and Trump is going nowhere, by the way. He's gonna continue to be the biggest problem and he is so good at getting everyone's attention and conversation. Yeah, they are so troubled. You know, this was Mitch McConnell's attack on the Capitol. This was Mitch McConnell shooting a woman in the heart and killing three others. This was Ted Cruz storming the Capitol with his stupid pubic hair beard, and they all know it. This was the best day for dem for dem for Pi. I'm stuttering. It's so true. This was the best day for Democrats in years, and I finally figured it out today. When it happened, I mean, not today. I'm a little happy while I'm talking right now. But they finally proved that passive resistance as a strategy pays off. Consider that. They finally proved that passive resistance as a strategy pays off. 
So credit to them, because for years I've been furious with Democrats in Washington. Going back to McConnell, preventing the Supreme Court pick for Obama on his last year. I mean, where were the balls back then just to go right up and smack some of those motherfuckers in the face? They would have been censured or something, but they wouldn't have been thrown out of the Senate. But it just would have been amazing. It's like, oh, Obama has like eight months left on his term. You're not going to give him like a fucking Supreme Court guy. And now you come up and, and push uh, three for, hey, hey, McConnell, come here, come here. You know, just smack the son of a bitch. Nobody ever did that. So what? You know, I mean, meanwhile, we have people like uh, uh, Ron Paul's kid, Gopher Paul, whatever his name is, actually tackling his neighbor. You know, they fucking like act out like animals. But Democrats have been acting passively, passive resistance for years. Because I think, you know, it does, it takes longer, but it is the only change in the world. And that works. It's the better cheek behavior. Wait for the other side to show their terror. Wait for them to storm the Capitol building. And so it finally happened on January 6, 2021 known in the future as the best day for democracy in over a century. There is that phrase. I've been saying it. He who loses it, loses it. And that's a great phrase to consider. If you get somebody, you know, you see this in the dog park a lot. I uh, have a, I had the honor of having a wonderful dog who was a Siberian Husky, uh, about 16th wolf. So Husky wolf hybrid, even a blood of wolf in, in a dog will change their behavior very wonderful animals uh, but he fortunately didn't have so much wealth that he was impossible to keep control of but he used to go to the dog park and just uh, do the smallest signals to other dogs to infuriate other dogs like he would uh, just put his nose on their shoulder or right on the top of their ear and all of a sudden the other dog would flip out and start snarling and, and yelling and, and howling and whatever and their their owner would grab the dog and condemn them and scold them and shame the dog in front of all the other dogs and apologize to me i didn't really realize what my dog was doing but he would be so proud of it because he's like yeah huh got you he just because basically if you put your uh nose on top of a dog in a certain place on their head or their shoulder or whatever it's a dominating gesture and it infuriates dogs and uh dog has the moment where he loses it and he's but then he's like smacked by his owner because he who loses it loses it and my dog used to be so satisfied this was a game that he would do perhaps i do this game as well now that i think about it but uh but it was delightful you know and he would just smile uh huskies have a great smile uh, you can see you can see it you'd always be like ha ha <laughs> and that's exactly what happened on january 6 2021 insurrection day the GOP lost it so magnificently on January 6th. I can't keep up with the delight of it occurring because I don't think anything that we would have done with, you know, uh, Proud Boys or whatever, it, they're not going to get any worse. They're going to run out of people. The way America works is it's not population count, it's position. And so it doesn't really trouble me that the Proud Boys or whatever might get some more people out of this great moment in time. This, uh, this, that's like complaining about a cold virus in the body. It doesn't matter about the virus, it matters about the reaction. And 
Proud Boys are not coronavirus. They are a known virus to our immune system of a country. So it was very good that, I don't even know if it was Proud Boys. Who was wearing that Holocaust shirt, that Auschwitz shirt? It was, man, what a day. So I'm glad that they came out as, as loud as they did and did something that was so documented too. You attacked the building with some of the best photographers in the country. <laughs> photographers can shape any, uh, a uh, news, or, news photographer can tell a story and an opinion of a story with how they take a photo. So none of those photos are uh, to their benefit. There's a, uh, that was crazy. So, but again, this was the Republican attack on the Capitol. And uh, I'll be talking to my guests, Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin about it later, about this being their idea and uh, the best prank that they've achieved, alive or dead. So good job for them. We'll have a seance later. That's the way we talk. In terms of the best day ever for Democrats, this was already the best day in a number of years for Democrats before this happened. You know, in terms of the best day ever for Democrats, this also was the same day the GOP lost the Senate. It evened the Senate up the night before. And then halfway through this day, with the runoffs, halfway through the day, the second uh, Senator uh, Ossoff got his win halfway through the riot. You know, I don't care if you were a Democratic Senator, Democrat Senator, huddling under a desk, thinking you're going to need to use the ballpoint pen in your pocket as a knife to protect yourself from people above you waving guns. I don't care. You did fine. Nobody got, nobody got hurt. You were enjoying the best day ever for democracy. And now you got a battle scar too. You, you've absolutely earned the heart and love of America for being a democratic senator or uh, representative. And I love you all for it. I'm, I'm sorry that this day happened, but oh my God, it was the best day you've ever had. You'll find out in terms of what you're able to achieve over the next few years. And of course, Trump is such an asshole, he's insisting that he take credit for this riot. And that's because he's such a fucking narcissist. But he did not build that wall with his hands and he did not make this riot happen. Maybe he did with his words, he'd like to think. But he can barely open his eyes without 400 milligrams of Adderall every morning. How could he have made this riot? Trump has no skills. This, this riot actually is the work of the yippies which is the, the political side of hippies in the 60s and the very interesting uh, sort of foundation of the culture you exist in. Right now, if you are a person who thinks it's interesting that you can speak openly about your transgressive politics, that is the world that you live in right now, you know, and that is largely because of the yippies. Uh, the, the world before the yippies put people in prison for being gay. I won't even do the list. I mean, it's like the activism in the 60s was a, the collective work of a lot of people. But the insanity of the yippies is actually the thing that pushed it over. And it's why we have punk. It's why we have a bunch of other stuff. The diggers as well. So I will say the yippies and the diggers are the people that sort of started this idea of think outside the mind in terms of like assaulting your enemy with activism and be funny about it there was a lot of humor happening and that's the thing that was funny is that a lot of people are under a yippie spell 
in the Capitol building. A lot of these Trump people didn't even realize that they were possessed by uh, yippie ghosts. We'll talk about that when I talk with uh, Abby and Jerry in a moment. But this was a spell, a yippie spell. And it was a reaction to the yippie spirit being misused by the alt-right and the entire Trump problem. When I say that this wasn't something that Trump made, I mean to say that Trump himself was an alt-right invention. You know, it's it. Uh, Trump might have been Hitler, but you know there were a lot of Nazis that built Hitler. You know, Trump is a figurehead and a strongman, but there are people like Andrew Breitbart who created this idea, this misuse of truth and other stuff, or Roger Stone. And that's that's who caused this riot. You know, uh, the GOP knew Breitbart and the alt-right would destroy them. And that's partly why they uh, they poisoned him. Although I think people say that he died of a heart attack and then other people blamed it on Obama. But the GOP knew that couldn't have him around. That's a good I'm just building that conspiracy right now. You can enjoy that one. I just thought that one up. Or maybe the, uh, the the specter of this incoming seance uh, gave me that truth that Breitbart was killed. Why not? <laughs> yeah, the fallout from Breitbart is that most of his editorial group was on Trump's election team, if you haven't ever looked that up. And of course, Bannon. But the entire concept behind the alt-right or the misuse of QAnon, I think QAnon was actually invented more by the true yippie spirit with like 4chan and stuff. I can sort of see being in 4chan and that sort of brain set being somebody who might have become a yippie in the 60s. But the misuse of QAnon, once after it was created, was more of an alt-right insanity. And Trump's use of false news or satire or ridiculous pranksterism and other sorts of optics-based insanity. That's all yippy stuff. And it's based on the work of people like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. But it's flipped around in an evil way. And Paul Krasner actually invent, uh, I was about to say invented Breitbart, but he interviewed Breitbart in a Playboy interview right before Breitbart uh, was murdered or, or died. And Paul, in that interview, got Breitbart to acknowledge how much he loved Abby Hoffman and how much a lot of this is, ba a lot of the alt-right that he was creating was based on Hoffman's ideas. And that was kind of sad because it's kind of like, oh geez, I don't know. Who's an amazing racist? It's like George Wallace saying that, you know, he <laughs> loved Harry Belafonte. I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense. But it's also genius of Breitbart to do because a lot of these tactics, when flipped, you know, flower power uh, is just as good as shit power, right? I mean, either uh, stick a uh, flower in a rifle or stick a turd in it. It's still going to work the same way in terms of changing the optics of that rifle. And the alt-right have uh, certainly been a lot of turd power, you know? Uh, turd Reich. <laughs> bunch of morons but they got their day i don't know if they can uh, you know i mean it's kind of like when you're in a uh, a video game and you're driving and you're following something you know it's much easier in a racing game to follow the leader but once i don't know if you've ever gotten ahead of that person suddenly you have a track that you don't know and you just like fly off the track 
and that's sort of what's happening. Once you get in the lead, you got to know the track or be able to anticipate the track. And we're seeing them uh, fly off the rail right now because you don't you you fantasize about storming the Capitol, you don't actually storm the Capitol. <clears throat> and if I sound overconfident about this, it's because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll use this week, and this week will include a yippee seance. I will uh, speak with Abby and Jerry, and I'm pleased to issue a statement from them both from the dead. Uh, went into the future to see how the seance went, and they're uh, they're going to issue a statement, uh, taking partial credit for the insurrection with some explanation as to why. So this will be the first authentic interview with Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin in years. There are a couple of people that died early that I'm always very sad about. And Abby Hoffman is uh, somebody I would have loved to have uh, gotten to know. And this is a category, by the way, not 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 to sound like a, like a dipshit, but pretty much this whole category, this whole yippie category is something I have been very happily blessed to have very significant friendships with that whole group so i'm speaking with some authority here that abby and i probably would have become friends and it makes me very sad i feel close to abby hoffman jerry rubin also there is a little bit more complicated just because of his second chapter in life with the uh the, the yuppie stuff but jerry did a lot of pretty amazing ballsy shit along with abby but my emotional connection has always been with abby hoffman and I think the fact that he did genuinely kill himself is truly sad. But, you know, but at the same time, yes, he might have, in the 80s, been so disillusioned that he would kill himself in that moment. It became very, uh, very mania-based. But he was so abused by the government by that point. He was so abused by the FBI and everybody else, forcing him into hiding then harassing him once he came out of hiding, you know, bashing his face in whenever they could get the opportunity, a bunch of things. America killed Abby Hoffman, you know, because <laughs> if you can take something as tragic as that and view it with some positivity, once America identifies you as a real threat, they fucking smash you. So. If you want to make some uh, change in this world, you don't become as visible a threat as Abby. You become more quiet about it. And uh, I have been blessed with knowing a lot of these people that do these things, that actually achieve these things. And I'm, I rarely talk with such bravado about this. I, I'm not trying to, I hope this doesn't kind of come across as a brag either. This is just the people that I, I know, right? Uh, I know the rules. So Abby would become very visible. So would Jerry. Some people presume in some ways that Jerry's, uh, Jerry's transformation into the yuppie, into a capitalist, was in fact a categoric attempt to shame him through pairing him with people in his life that would sort of change the way that he viewed, viewed himself, sending people to, to warp his mind, to sort of change a long-term psychological plan to change him to somebody who resented uh, who he was. You know, I mean, it's like FBI fantasy to turn the uh, the world's uh, largest anti-capitalist into the world's largest capitalist. And uh, to show Jerry Rubin's persuasive ability, he still created a culture of people. The whole yuppie movement is largely, you know, 
largely Jerry Rubin's invention or part of it, yippity-yuppie. And so even if that's not true, that he wasn't paired with like a couple women that would change his perspective on himself. But that's always been my feeling, and I don't mean that in an anti-woman way. I love women, and they are far better than men in a thousand ways, but individuals can break other individuals' minds apart. And I've often wondered, you know, what the fuck happened to Jerry Rubin? And there is some proven government intentions to break and destroy people, and it just was too much of a fantasy come true. He also became kind of... Uh, both Abby, Abby and Jerry suffered their own depressive endings. You know, uh, Jerry would talk about his esteem. I think they roared so loudly in that one moment of their life that it was really difficult to keep the fire going in their head. And that's very sad, or heart, and that's very sad. I think Abby would have loved the world that, that emerged 10 or 15 years later. I think he would have loved the internet, you know? Anyway, I'll try not to talk that, bring that up with them. Um, Jerry, uh, of course, the other part is Jerry sort of became, I think, uh, really vulnerable to his insecurities too. It's, it's a sad story, both of them. But I'm gonna, I'm not gonna bring that up. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, Abby. He, he's looking at me in the uh, green room. He's like, "What are you doing? Going so, uh, going so crazy right now? Keep it light." I'm getting a note from, uh, from Abby right now. He's holding a, uh, he's holding a piece of paper up to the window, saying, um, "Keep it light." Yeah, you know. Because if you, you know, Abby's still quite alive in our heart and mind. And he's right here in the green room waiting for the seance. So, uh, oh, and Jerry just came in. Jerry, I uh, I want to apologize for, you're going to hear it in the tape. Sort of talked about your ending. I apologize for that. I think you both are terrific people. And what you did in the 60s was amazing. And I, I and the older I get, the more I kind of understand what you did in the 70s and 80s too. So uh, when you review that tape, just uh, bear all that in mind. Okay. He's uh, flipping me off. So, um, yeah, this is Jerry. I got it. Um, typical Jerry. Anyway, my my familiarity with Abby and Jerry is such that I can have a seance with them, and I'm about to. And it's also, uh, I'm going to say that we're going to have a seance. And it's going to be far better than whatever crap Aaron Sorkin wrote for that Netflix thing. I haven't watched it. And I have no real interest in it, the Chicago trial movie that's on Netflix. And it's a single thing that I heard goes on in that movie that makes me completely unwilling to watch it. Apparently, okay, so David Dellinger is part of the Chicago 7 or 8 or 9, Chicago 14. And he was a lifelong pacifist. So I have heard that in the uh, in the Chicago movie, just to show how fucking out of, out of league it is, uh, they have David Dellinger smack somebody. And I know Sorkin was sort of out of his league in terms of this material being loyal to it, even though people tend to enjoy it. And they've, they've been talking about how it really, uh, if they didn't know who Abby Hoffman is, that's crazy. But if you're just, if you're going to make the pacifist smack somebody, you probably don't know about the uh, the <laughs> other people. Just that that that's offensive to me. Uh, and I think the representation of actual women in the yippie movement is not even spoken of. And that's another thing, you know, I don't need to see another movie where all the men of a movement are, are uh, rewarded and the women are, are uh, unwritten. Also, from what I hear, uh, Sorkin had never even heard of the trial when Spielberg asked him about writing it five or ten years ago. And that appalled me 
made me think about who the fuck is what's Sorkin doing? Because how can you write a show called The West Wing, which he was still working on, I think, when he was offered this, uh, and not know about the Yippies or the Chicago conspiracy trial? Made me wonder if Sorkin is a poser, that he gets to just work in politics as an idea because it's good for dialogue, but he doesn't know the history behind it. That created the world that he uh, profits from. But that's just my view on Sorkin. He actually, uh, I think um, other categories like the social media movie, that was hilarious. That was really good. So I think Sorkin can write, but I'm not sure if I'm ever going to watch that Chicago trial movie on Netflix. I, I would say if you're curious about that, you should read Abby Hoffman's books and not steal this book, even though that's fun. But you should read Revolution for the Hell of It, definitely. And there's a abby hoffman uh reader that i think collects all of his books together and once you get introduced to abby hoffman's writer's voice it's very very it's abby isn't dead it's like having him in the room i uh i really recommend as much abby hoffman uh seemed to be a major picture is really good major motion picture is really good i don't know how much of jerry rubin's writing jerry actually did uh there uh james uh rutherford Rutherford uh, lives in town here in Austin, and he it was Jerry Rubin's ghostwriter, and he doesn't have the best stories of working with Jerry on that book. But Abby wrote all of his material very clearly. I could talk about Abby a lot. I um, really, really love Abby Hoffman. It's very sad that he's not around. But yeah, but I'm not gonna see that uh, Sorkin thing. Um, because I think Sorkin might be a poser. How could you not know about the fucking trial? Uh, it's not a small. It's not a small one to miss. It's like saying, like, hey, I'd like I'd like you to write about um, music of the '60s, specifically the Beatles. Oh, who are they? Uh, I'd like for you to write uh, West Wing or something about politics, and you've never heard about the Chicago riots or the DNC protests. That was crazy for me. That was just a big tell in the poker game of you are a, you're a poser writer. Anyway, uh, I have a few thoughts about how silly this insurrection day was before we get into the seance. My uh, first thought in terms of the footage that I saw is where were the actual cops that real activists have to deal with on insurrection day? You saw a couple of cops, like about 10 or 15, sort of like smacking people. You know, there's this very uh, emotional cop who throws his cop hat off and just goes uh, to punch people who are trying to push in the, uh, the line, but there's only like 14 of them. There's a weird video where you see a line of cops actually just sort of bow to the rioters and the Trump flag holders walk towards the Capitol building like they're walking into a movie, you know? Uh, kind of walking into the into the Capitol like it's uh, Target on Black Friday, and the uh, the door is just opened up for people to buy uh, TVs on sale or something. You see, it, and the cops just sort of move aside. And I, I have to wonder: was this the president's call? Does he control DC cops? I know the Capitol has a different police force than the rest of the city, and that Maryland has a totally different police force than DC cops. So I, I, I wonder, can the president actually say, you know, let him in? Because normal cops will crack ahead very happily, no matter how many cameras are looking. If they feel justified, they also will pepper spray the shit out of you. And, you know, how did so few people get not get? I mean, I know people got gassed and everything, but 
55 people or whatever. That's the number of people who got accused. I don't even, was it was hundreds that actually got into the building. How did so few people get harmed or so many people not get harmed? I think one answer might've been yippee intervention. A uh, spell cast over both the cops and the crowd. I'll ask Abby and Jerry about that. Uh, clean magic, making the sinister act of storming the uh, Capitol into a self-destruction operation that would spoil all of the Republican Party and even make the chief of police resign, because that happened in DC. Or maybe it was an order from Trump himself, still the ruler of the country, to just let him in. I'd be curious about the uh, the control that uh, Trump has of the police, or any president has of the, uh, the police at the Capitol building. It was certainly Trump's call to have the police attack protesters outside the White House lawn, if you remember, a few months ago. And that was just for a photo op, so he could have, so have a photo taken to clear the lawn of uh, the bad look of protesters. That was said to be his request, his order. And if not, another question, more practical. Does the Capitol building not have a PA system? <laughs> Does it not have fire sprinklers? You know, if someone stormed in, I would have turned the sprinklers on them and blown out their ears with sound. And it's not tough to do, you know. But just using the PA system or the, the, the intercom would have been the easiest. You know, Trump could have gotten on the microphone and told them to calm down. How the hell does Trump manage to record and edit a video that day in perfect lighting, by the way, to post on Twitter, but not get on the PA speaker system of the Capitol building to tell people to stop the ransacking, you know? Why wasn't Trump actively saying, he could have said, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're great people on the both sides, but get the fuck out of the building, stop what you're doing. He could have done that, but he let it happen. And then, then he, how, how is a rioter supposed to see a video posted on YouTube? No, he should, he, if this had happened at a US high school, the fucking gym coach or the principal would have called out everyone by name over the microphone to calm down. And if it can happen in a high school, that's how they would ha handle this. It can happen in the Capitol building. Why didn't Trump just get on the microphone? Why didn't Mitch McConnell? Why didn't anybody? <laughs> Although Mitch has no power in that circumstance. But the obvious other question is, how is it 55 were arrested or, or charged, but not 55 are dead? And I'm sure people will say this was a decision to not escalate this nationally. But those decisions are never considered. Those decisions are never considered with left-wing activists or any progressive group protesting. And there was, I'm sure, a desire from everybody. What if we had done this on the beginning of Trump's presidency, stormed the Capitol in 2016? You know, everybody'd be dead. Or certainly wouldn't have been able to get up to the podium and take a selfie and then smack up a bunch of uh, offices. This was a very strange day, but everyone got to see it. I think everyone got to see it. So all of this in mind, I thought it'd be useful this week to have a seance with Abby and Jerry. They're in the green room now waiting for uh, the seance to occur. I still have to do a seance to get their attention. It's a complicated thing, but I'll record it so you can hear it. I'd like to get their views on the riot. Uh, on the riot that their ghosts helped occur. And, uh, and likely their humorous take on whether or not they agree on whether or not they agree with me that this was the best day for democracy since 1776 and not the worst one. 
as so many are eager to assert.